0: Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we are going to be breaking down the NFL's "quote unquote" Super Wild Card Weekend. Yes, that's what they're calling it now. That there is six games on Wild Card Weekend. Games are taking place over Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, so it is going to be a bit of a grind. There are four different DFS slates that are going on, and on this episode, we're going to be breaking down each slate: the Saturday slate, the Sunday slate, the Monday showdown slate. And the Saturday through Monday all weekend slate. We're going to be breaking down each slate and saying who we want in and out of our lineups from each team on each slate. So, um, should be a good episode here. Got a lot of information to cover. Got a lot of guys we got to talk about. And it's one of the best times of year, y'all. NFL playoffs are going on. College basketball is going on. Golf is back. A lot of good sports going on right now. And we are covering all of it here on Mike's Money Picks. If you check the episode feed, our preview for the Sony Open this week's PGA Tour stop is uh, under Tuesday. And then college basketball, we're pretty much going to be doing uh, nightly previews whenever we don't have an NFL or a golf episode. Um, So tomorrow you can expect a college basketball episode for the Friday night slate. All right. Also... If you are listening to this, you're probably a DFS player. And if you're a DFS player and want my full DFS official picks, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. I put all of them up there for NFL, college basketball, and golf right now. Um, More sports coming in the future. And also make sure you follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. Always covering some extra stats and facts that I don't always get to here on the podcast. And I'm more than happy to answer any start, sit, or lineup questions. All right, enough with the introductions. Let's go ahead and start breaking down the playoffs. We're going to start with Saturday's games, which are the Chargers at the Raiders, or I'm sorry, Chargers at the Jaguars, and the Seahawks at the 49ers. But first, a quick word from our friends at Anchor. So the first game that is going to be starting the NFL playoffs. I always called this Saturday afternoon game, Wildcard weekend, the Houston Texans memorial game, because it seems like every time the Houston Texans are in the playoffs, they have a home game on Saturday at 4 30 of Wildcard weekend. I, I really think every time they've been in the playoffs in the history of their franchise, they've had that. So that's what I always call this game, and it is Seattle at San Francisco. Honestly, I see San Francisco rolling in this one. Uh, I think San Francisco is about as healthy as they possibly could be with a third string quarterback. Uh, And I think that Seattle is just the team this year that's happy to be there. Um, Congratulations on a good season. Don't expect them to win this game. And then Chargers and Jaguars, I think is actually a lot more intriguing. I think this has the potential to be a more high scoring game. And I think that this is the one that if you're game stacking on the Saturday slate, I would be attacking the Chargers and Jaguars game. So let's talk about the Saturday quarterbacks. So Justin Herbert is easily the number one quarterback on the slate, in my opinion. Jacksonville is the best matchup for quarterbacks on the day. However, Justin Herbert only had 14.6 fantasy points against them in week three. But I will give that a little bit of an excuse because that was without Rayshon Slater at left tackle. And Justin Herbert was playing with cracked ribs. Uh, I think that when the rubber hits the road and the Chargers need to win football games, which they do now officially, it's the playoffs, it's win or go home, they're going to be able to lean on the talent and the arm of Justin Herbert. And I think that he is going to be able to get them at least one playoff win this year. And if they win, it's probably going to be because Herbert has a good game. Now, Trevor Lawrence, I think, is a really solid GPP option. He has got a high ceiling, but, man, he has got a low floor. In his last five games, he's been anywhere from 5 to 36 fantasy points, and three of his last seven games have been over 20 fantasy points. So I think that the ceiling is there if you're playing a GPP, but if you're relying on any kind of consistency or if you're playing like this, you know, like a playoffs best ball fantasy, I don't think there's any sort of consistency to bank on with Trevor Lawrence, but I do think there is some upside. Russell Wilson just had 24 fantasy points against the Chargers, and I think that um – I think that Trevor Lawrence could do that, right? Like Russell Wilson hasn't been great this season. There's no reason to expect Trevor Lawrence to do worse than Russell Wilson. Uh, But previously before that, Chargers opponents had had three straight games of 12 or less fantasy points. So the Chargers are, are kind of a hit or miss defense when it comes to defending quarterbacks. And Trevor Lawrence is kind of a hit or miss quarterback. So I think he's an intriguing GPP option, but definitely not banking on any kind of consistency. Brock Purdy. I think is not going to have a whole lot of opportunity to do a whole lot. I, th- I see this being a big ground game for San Francisco. He had 16.5 fantasy points in his first game against Seattle, and I think that's probably like a fairly reasonable outcome. Um, I don't see him going much higher than 16 fantasy points. Uh, I think you would be dependent on multiple touchdowns for him to get there also, which is a possibility, but I really see them leaning on that ground game now that they've got McCaffrey and Mitchell back, and I think that they're going to be playing from ahead in this game. Geno Smith, I'm just not intrigued in playing. Um, He had 15 fantasy points and seven fantasy points in his two games against San Francisco this season. San Francisco is the best defense on the slate, and I'm just not intrigued to play Geno Smith. At the running back position, Christian McCaffrey is my number one play. He played Seattle one time this season, uh, and he had 28.8 fantasy points against them. Seattle is the fourth best matchup to running backs on the season, and we just watched Cam Akers run wild on them. Now, usage with Elijah Mitchell for Christian McCaffrey has not been as great as it was with Elijah Mitchell out of the lineup, but I still think McCaffrey can be the number one running back on the slate. He has the best chance out of all these running backs to make explosive plays happen, and I definitely think he will be able to do that against that poor Seattle run defense. Elijah Mitchell is a sneaky GPP play. He's been active in five games this season, and he's been over nine points in two of them. And honestly, if you're playing him at that price tag, Nine points wouldn't be a terrible outcome. So I think that Elijah Mitchell is definitely a guy that you can get into your lineups. Fading McCaffrey and playing Elijah Mitchell would be a very high risk, high reward proposition because if McCaffrey does not have a good game, it's likely because Elijah Mitchell vultures the touchdowns. So um, I definitely think there's a lot of leverage to be had with Elijah Mitchell. And if you really need to cut cost, I think you can cut down from McCaffrey to Elijah Mitchell because I do think that there is reason to spend up on Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler is my number two running back here on this slate. And I tend to think that the Jaguars are a team that you throw on and not run on, which doesn't really hurt Eckler because Eckler gets the ball out of the backfield a lot. So without Mike Williams also, I think that increases the amount of targets that Eckler's going to get. And so I think that there is definite upside to playing, you know, the guy who was the number one fantasy running back this season. Um, The one kind of negative, if you want to nitpick, is that Eckhart only had 13 fantasy points against the Jags in week three. But again, this was without Rashawn Slater. Justin Herbert was banged up. Uh, I'm just willing to kind of write that one off for the Chargers offense. Of the remaining running backs, I would rank Travis Etienne ahead of Kenneth Walker. Uh, ETN had 10.5 fantasy points against the Chargers in week three, and that was when James Robinson was playing really well. Um, and so, you know, they've traded James Robinson since then. So ETN's usage is really elite, and the Chargers' run defense, like their pass defense, is very hit or miss. So I think that there is definite upside to playing Travis ETN in this spot against the Chargers. Kenneth Walker had 11.9 points in his one game as a starter against San Francisco, and that was solely because of his workload, not because of his efficiency. He got a lot of touches of the football and didn't really do a whole lot with it. And so, to me, if you're playing Kenneth Walker, you're banking on the workload, not on you know, the fact that it's a great matchup or it's a great spot. It just, uh, San Francisco's really at running backs, and I'm fine avoiding that situation at the wide receiver position, I really like Keenan Allen this week. Jacksonville is really susceptible to the slot, and with Mike Williams in my, you know, I'm no medical expert, but in my opinion, I think it's unlikely that Mike Williams plays, and so I really like Keenan Allen out of the slot, and I really like Josh Palmer on the outside if Mike Williams does not play. Josh Palmer previously had 2 games this season of 20 plus fantasy points without Mike Williams in the lineup. So if Williams does not play, that pivot to Josh Palmer becomes a really easy one. For Jacksonville, Christian Kirk is the guy that you want. He had 19.2 fantasy points against the Chargers last time. Zay Jones is really hit or miss. Marvin Jones is a solid punt play, but I think Christian Kirk is the guy that you can bank on. For Seattle, these are totals also when, when I read these stats this season. These are not averages. These are totals. DK Metcalf had 19 points total against San Fran this season. Tyler Lockett had 36 fantasy points total against San Fran this season, which makes sense. San Fran is the biggest slot funnel in the entire league, meaning that opposing teams when they play San Francisco have a higher percentage of their fantasy points go to the slot than any other team in the NFL. And really it's because they're so stout on the outside, right? You know, if you, when you have two good outside corners, you're going to be able to throw to the slot. And with Marquise Goodwin not playing, I think it's even more likely that, you know, Tyler Lockett plays the slot almost exclusively, and I think that he will be able to have, you know, not necessarily a big day, but I think he will be able to have a decent performance against that stout San Fran defense. You know, if Seattle's playing from behind, that's going to benefit these pass catchers because they're going to have to throw to try to get back in it. Last breakdown for this one, I think the Debo Samuel is a bit of a misprice coming back. Um, obviously, we don't really know how healthy he is. He was healthy enough to be active for a Week 18 game that they really didn't have to have. So I kind of feel like he's going to be good to go. And in the playoffs, we've seen this time and time again in the NFL, teams get their playmakers the ball in the playoffs. You saw this with Debo Samuel last year. Kyle Shanahan just kept finding ways to get the ball in Debo Samuel's hands, and good things kept happening. And so I really think that there's a lot of upside for Debo Samuel. I think that Kyle Shanahan is going to get him touches, and I think that he's going to be able to do something with it against the Seattle defense that's not exactly the best tackling defense in the world. So I really do like Debo Samuel on this slate. And if you're looking for a punt play, DeAndre Carter of the Chargers, if Mike Williams is inactive, will be the third receiver on the field. So I think he is definitely worth a look if Williams is inactive. At the tight end position, Y'all, I'm very conflicted on George Kittle because he averages 19 fantasy points per game in Brock Purdy starts this season, but we've seen over the years George Kittle is a different player when Debo Samuel is in or out of the lineup, and guess what? Debo Samuel is in the lineup, and all those starts that I just mentioned with Brock Purdy, only one of them has had Debo Samuel in the lineup, so I don't really know what to make of Kittle. I think if you have the money to spend up for Kittle, you can. But I'm not exactly rushing to squeeze him into my lineup because I do like, below Kittle, I really like Evan Ingram and Gerald Everett. I think they're both consistent mid-range options. They're going to be on the field. They're going to see target shares. And I think Ingram has a little bit of a higher ceiling going against that Chargers defense. But I think that I got to give Eckler a little boost if Mike Williams does not play. So I think both those guys are very solid options if you cannot pay up for Kittle. And lastly, if Noah Fant does not play, Colby Parkinson is an interesting punt option. He's been used the last few weeks, and you know Fant and Disley have both been on and off the field. So I definitely think Parkinson is worth a punt play if Fant does not play. If the difference between... Being able to play Eckler and McCaffrey is your tight end position, and you have to go all the way down to Parkinson. I'm actually, I'm absolutely okay with that. I think you're lowering your floor a little bit, but I think that your ceiling is still going to be up there because Parkinson might just have one catch for one yard and touchdown and get you that 7.1 fantasy points, which is okay for a guy at his price tag. All right, so that does it for the Saturday slate. Nice little 10-minute preview for the Saturday slate. Let's go ahead and flip on over to the Sunday slate, uh, but I'm going to take a quick breather first. Hey. All right, now breaking down the Sunday slate, it is the biggest slate of the weekend. We have Buffalo hosting Miami for the 1 o'clock game. We have the New York Giants heading to the Minnesota Vikings for the 4-30 game. And then we have the Sunday night game, which is Bengals taking on the Ravens at home. So um, looking at the games for this one, y'all, I really anticipate Buffalo to blow out Miami. Like, I would be shocked if that ends up being anything other than that, simply because I think that Uh, Miami is just not the same team without Tua Tagovailoa, so I anticipate Buffalo to win that one big. The Giants and Vikings game I think is going to be the one that turns into a shootout. Uh, As much as I have been saying that the Vikings are frauds all season long, I actually think they're going to win this game because I kind of think the Giants are frauds too. I anticipate it being a close game. I anticipate it being a shootout, but I do think that Minnesota will come on top. And then with the night game, uh, everything revolves around Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is the wild card. This is going to be a totally different game environment based off of whether or not he plays. All right, let's go ahead and break down the quarterback position. Josh Allen is the top quarterback option. He averages 39 fantasy points in two games against Miami this season, so I think that there's no reason to go away from Josh Allen in this one. I also think that he's in a unique situation where you don't have to stack him really with more than one pass catcher because when you think about it, If Buffalo wins this game in a blowout, it's probably going to be because Josh Allen had a rushing touchdown or two, or at least some rushing yards. So I'd really think that you can just pair him with either Diggs, maybe Davis, we'll talk about that later, Um, but you can pair him with one pass catcher and rely on his rushing upside and still end up with a huge total. Now, Joe Burrow is my buyer beware quarterback for this slate. He has 18.3 and 12.6 fantasy points in two games against the Ravens this season, which is not spectacular by any means and the health of the O-line concerns me you know they're having to rotate in some backup O-linemen you know I know it's not sexy to check out the injury report for offensive linemen but that's definitely something I feel like you have to do with Joe Burrow at this point Uh, Baltimore also if they do not have Lamar Jackson is going to slow this game down they're going to make it a game of fewer possessions and they're going to try to limit the time that the Bengals have on offense and so I think that you know his upside is kind of capped if Lamar Jackson is not active in this one, if Lamar Jackson is active, I think that it definitely provides a little bit more of a friendly game environment. could be more of a shootout, but I definitely just, I'm, I'm very cautious about Joe Burrow. I think he's in a range where I would rather pay up for Josh Allen or pay down for one of the two quarterbacks in the Giants-Vikings game. If you're going to stack one game, the Giants-Vikings game would be my preferred game to stack. Kirk Cousins and Daniel Jones both put up 24 fantasy points in their last matchup in the regular season, and that game was a 27-24 to 24 game. So, you know, fairly high scoring, fairly high scoring among both quarterbacks, and on a points-per-dollar basis, I definitely could see Cousins or Jones ending up as the best play. Now, the Vikings also have some O-line injuries like the Bengals. Now, I will say I trust the Bengals' offensive system. Well, let me rephrase I trust the Vikings offensive system to figure out how to play through those offensive line injuries. I think that they will, you know, kind of move the pocket for Kirk Cousins or they will use more play action or, you know, keep a back in the block. Or, you know, get the ball out of his hands quicker. I I trust Kevin O'Connell and that staff to figure out ways to play around that. And I think that they have weapons on the outside with Jefferson and Thielen and Osborne and Hawkinson that they can definitely get the ball out quick and get it into those guys' hands and make something happen. And I think that the Giants' defense is worse than the Ravens' defense. Um, So I definitely think that among the, the teams with offensive line injuries, I would prefer to play Cousins than Burrow. Now, at the running back position, look, this one's pretty easy. Saquon Barkley is your top option. He had 27.3 fantasy points last time against Minnesota. You can fit him in a game stack if you go Cousins and then Barkley uh, on the other side for the Giants and then another Giants pass catcher and some Vikings pass catchers. I really like that option. Dalvin Cook only had 10.7 fantasy points last time against the Giants, which actually broke their streak of giving up a rushing touchdown in multiple consecutive games. And in his last two games since that game, Dalvin Cook has had 6.4 and 3.7 fantasy points. That's not great. However, he did not play a full game against Chicago, so I can give him a pass for that one. But the OL health, the offensive line health is a concern for Dalvin Cook. I definitely think he needs a healthy offensive line to uh, be effective in this game. Joe Mixon had 17 and 11 fantasy points this season in two games against the Ravens, and Joe Mixon, last season, he showed that he is a good playoff performer. In his four playoff games last season, he had 12, 23, 15, and 17 fantasy points. He gives you a very high floor, maybe not as much of a ceiling as a guy like Saquon Barkley, but Joe Mixon does give you a high floor, and he has shown the ability to run on Baltimore, so I'm not Like avoiding Joe Mixon. I'm totally fine playing Joe Mixon, especially if, you know, the Bengals go up early and they're trying to grind the clock out because they're not concerned about Tyler Huntley playing, you know, catch up. For Miami, I'm staying away. Um, Health is a concern for both their running backs, Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr., and game script is also a serious concern. If it ends up being a situation where one of them is active and just one of them is active, I think that it becomes, you know, a playable spot. But if both of them are active, I'm just avoiding the situation entirely. For Baltimore, I'm expecting Gus Edwards to be inactive, which makes me really like J.K. Dobbins, who had double-digit carries in four straight games before being held out of Week 18. And he's just, he's turned into their workhorse running back. Like, he's hes a very good football player. I think he's got upside against that Cincinnati defense. Um, if Lamar is at quarterback, I definitely like him more because I think that there's more of a threat of the overall offense. Um, and so I think that, you know, with that whole game, you got to check the status of Lamar Jackson before you determine who you're playing and who you're not playing. If you think Baltimore plays from behind, Kenyon Drake is an option. You know, he's shown the ability to be a good pass catcher out of the backfield, and he's probably going to play a majority of those snaps if they are in obvious passing situations. And now, for the Buffalo running back situation, I am much more inclined to play James Cook than Devin Singletary. Cook has outscored Devin Singletary in two of the last three games. And honestly, I don't feel like you need to play a Bills running back. Like, Josh Allen is probably the most likely guy on this team to score a rushing touchdown. So if you want to get different, can you go to James Cook? Absolutely. Am I rushing to play him in any kind of stack or any kind of lineup? No. But if I'm looking to get different, he is definitely an option you can go with. All right, now let's talk about receivers. Last time against the Giants. For the Minnesota Vikings, Justin Jefferson had 34 fantasy points. TJ Hawkinson had 38 fantasy points. No one else really did anything of note in that game. So, you know, you're looking at... Jefferson is a really good option, and Thewin and Osborne, I think they're solid options, but they didn't do anything in the previous game against the Giants, which is a little bit concerning. If you are stacking, I definitely think you could go with Jefferson and Hawkinson. I think that's going to be what most people do, though, so you could probably be different and go with Jefferson and Osborne or Thewin. For the Giants, it was an Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James game. Isaiah Hodgins had 22 fantasy points. Richie James had 17 fantasy points. Both of those guys are very affordable. They're seeing consistent target shares. I have no problem playing either of those guys in or out of a stack of this game. Now let's talk about the Bengals. So in last season's playoff run, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins were pretty much even in terms of production. Jamar Higgins out, or I'm sorry, Jamar Higgins, Jamar Chase outscored T. Higgins by 11 points total and had five more targets total. Over the four games. So, in other words, Chase was better by about three points and one target a game than T. Higgins. So, both of those guys have a lot of upside. In their careers, both of them have had a 30 fantasy point performance against Baltimore. So, the thing that I'm very interested in in this one is I think that the two of them are much closer in terms of production than their pricing on DraftKings and FanDuel implies. So I think that if you're looking to save costs, you can go from Chase to Higgins, and it's not going to cost you a whole lot in terms of points. Now, granted, could Jamar Chase have one of his Jamar Chase games where he gets 11 catches for 200 yards and three touchdowns? Absolutely. Do I think Higgins could do the same thing? Absolutely. But what I'm saying is, over the course of like, the law of averages, They're not that much more different than the price tags are implying, and I think that you could save the cost by playing Higgins instead of Chase. In the Buffalo Miami game, honestly, I'm not on anybody other than Stephon Diggs, Uh, Tyreek Hill, and Jalen Waddle are both GPP plays in my opinion. They might get lucky and break one, but Skylar Thompson has just had no, no film or you know tape of whatever you can watch of Skylar Thompson has indicated that he can push the ball downfield with accuracy to these two guys. So what you would be hoping for is that one of these guys catches a slant or a screen or something and takes it 70 yards to the house, and, you know, that would make your day, but I don't think it's the most likely outcome. Both of these guys have had 20 fantasy points against Buffalo in the last game they played, but that was with Tua quarterback. So I just think that the upside is capped with Hill and Waddle because of their quarterback situation. I'm not interested in Gabe Davis or Isaiah McKenzie, unless you are stacking. I just don't think that the target shares have been very consistent. And I think that honestly, you can play just Allen and Diggs and you can be totally fine because of Allen's rushing upside. For Baltimore, Demarcus Robinson and Sammy Watkins are going to be the two receivers who are playing on the outside. And in my opinion, they are both punt plays with a lot of upside. Um, I have no problem going to either of them. They could get you a goose egg. They could get you about, you know, 10 to 12 fantasy points. I'm fine with that. Um, if you are looking to save salary, those are two guys you can do it with. At the tight end position, TJ Hawkinson is my top play on this slate. He had 38 fantasy, point, 38 fantasy points against the Giants last time they played. Mark Andrews is going to be a target monster. He had 22.9 fantasy points when he played Cincinnati this season. And I think that Isaiah Likely is a solid GPP play. They're going to play 12 personnel with two tight ends on the field quite a lot. And so if Isaiah Likely is on the field a lot, he has a chance to fall into the end zone and get you a touchdown. Dawson Knox had six fantasy points and 21 fantasy points against Miami in two games this season. And I think he makes for a very interesting contrarian Josh Allen stack. Hayden Hurst is also an interesting GPP play. He had 17 fantasy points against Baltimore in Week 5, but thing to remember about that game is Cincinnati played pretty much without T. Higgins for almost the entire game, so maybe that one might not be entirely one you can bank on. All right, that does it for the Sunday preview. So what we're going to do next, quick breather first, but we are going to break down the Monday showdown game with the Cowboys and Buccaneers. And then we are going to break down the Saturday through Monday slate, just talk about my favorite plays as a whole to kind of summarize and bring the whole episode together. All right, so the Monday game. Is the Dallas Cowboys heading to Tampa to take on uh the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady? I thought it was kind of fitting that they gave this the Monday night special, um, considering that it always seems like Joe Buck and Troy Aikman call Dallas Cowboys playoff games. And now that they're at ESPN, they get one more Dallas Cowboys playoff game to call. I thought I thought that was kind of interesting how that happened. And, you know, it'll just kind of make it feel more at home that, you know, we're watching the Dallas Cowboys potentially lose in the playoffs with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on the call. Look, I was born in Dallas. So, you know, while I am a Carolina Panthers fan due to living in the Charlotte area for a while, um, I always have a soft spot in my heart for the Cowboys. I want to see them do good, but it's hard to have faith in them to win in the playoffs with everything that they've shown over the past decade. So to me, This game has one of two range of outcomes. It has the feel of a game where Dallas leads the whole way and Tampa has to stage a furious comeback and is you know, making an onside kick with it like 27-21 with two minutes to play or something like that. Or it has the feel of a game where the Dallas offense really struggles and Tampa wins it like 13-3. I just see it going one of those two ways. I don't see this game turning into a shootout. I think that both these defenses are pretty good and both these quarterbacks are not exactly the best in their recent form. I'm not worried about the whole Dak on grass narrative that Dak Prescott can't play on grass all of a sudden because he played poorly against Washington. He has games of 21, 22, and 17 fantasy points on grass this season, so I'm not concerned about that. I have no problem rolling with Dak as your quarterback. Tom Brady had 11 fantasy points against Dallas in week one. If you're playing Brady as a fantasy option, it's because of his volume and the fact that they have no run game, not because he's actually been efficient or effective as a quarterback. So like I said, you're banking on the volume if you're playing Tom Brady. Now at the running back position, this kind of feels like a power game to me, irregardless of game flow. I think that Zeke is getting a little worn down because of all the carries and all the hits over the course of his career. Powered is clearly the more explosive, more effective player, and he has been. You know, he's going to be fresh because he hasn't played a whole lot in recent weeks. So I really do like Tony Powered on this slate. Leonard Fournette, to me, is a solid option in any game flow. I think that you know we're getting the whole playoff Lenny narrative that you know the Bucks players love to call him playoff Lenny, and I think that. He, because of how much they've used Rashad White in the regular season, he could be pretty fresh. And if he's fresh, he can be dangerous because he can actually catch some passes out of the backfield. And I could totally see them leaning on Fournette as their workhorse in the ground game and out of the backfield. He will definitely get more rushing attempts and points if the Bucs are playing from ahead. But... If they're playing from behind, he can get a lot of checkdowns, especially at the end of a game if they're down 10 with two minutes left or something like that, and Dallas is playing super soft coverage. So I really do like Leonard Fournette and Tony Power on this slate. I would think personally that Mike Evans matches up better against the Dallas cornerbacks than Chris Godwin, and that would be confirmed by his 18 fantasy point performance in Week 1. I do not mind Julio Jones or Russell Gage as punt plays. Julio had double-digit fancy points in Week 1 against the Cowboys. For the Cowboys, C.D. Lamb is game-flow proof because of his massive target share. He's going to get an insane amount of targets no matter what Dallas ends up doing in terms of the game. He even scored 16 fantasy points last week when Dallas had 6 points against Washington. Like I said, game-flow proof. As their second option, they added T.Y. Hilton for a reason, y'all. They're going to be playing him down this playoff stretch. So I definitely think he's going to be on the field, and he definitely has some upside as a punt play. And at the tight end position, I think that Dalton Schultz could be in for a huge game. If the Buccaneers try to game plan to stop CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Schultz is gonna be the primary beneficiary. All right, so now that that is broken down, let's talk about the Saturday through Monday slate as a whole. So you've heard my opinions on pretty much every player who's playing on the slate for their slates. So here's how I would rank them in terms of just like most points to least points at every position from Saturday through Monday. So at quarterback, here's my top four in this order. Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Kirk Cousins, Daniel Jones. Dak Prescott would be five. Trevor Lawrence would be six. Okay. Yeah, I lied. I wasn't going to do top four. I went six. at the running back position, here's my top five. Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Joe Mixon, Austin Eckler, Tony Pollard, Leonard Fournette, Travis Etienne, yes, I know that was more than five. It's hard to pick just five. At receiver, Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, Keenan Allen, Stephon Diggs, Tyler Lockett. That one felt pretty easy. Tight end position, T.J. Hawkinson, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, Dalton Schultz. Favorite value plays on all the slates at running back position, Elijah Mitchell, James Cook. At the wide receiver position, Debo Samuel, Isaiah Hodgins, Josh Palmer, Richie James Jr., Demarcus Robinson and Sammy Watkins. Now the winners of the six games, and I think the one that I reserve the right to change my opinion on is the Bengals Ravens game because I don't know the status of Lamar Jackson. Uh, winners: Niners, Chargers, Bills, Big, Vikings in a close one. Maybe the Giants cover, Bengals, and Cowboys. Yeah, I'm taking the Cowboys. I'm I'm doing it. I, I just think that they're. Much more talented across the board than Tampa is right now. All right, so that does it for the super wild card preview for the super wild card weekend that the NFL is going on. Do I hate that they put the word super in there? Yes, I do. It's just wild card weekend. So, anyway, that does it for the preview, guys. Hopefully, I gave you guys plenty of options to put into your DFS lineups for any slate that you're playing this weekend. Um, hopefully, it goes well for you. Whatever slate you end up playing, whether it's Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Saturday through Monday, Saturday through Sunday, Sunday through Monday, whatever. Best of luck to you. Um, It's a great time of year to play NFL DFS because that's where everybody is playing right now. Um, now that season-long fantasy is pretty much dormant for the time being. So very much looking forward to playing some DFS this weekend. Best of luck to all you guys in your DFS endeavors. If you want my full DFS picks, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com Mike's Money Picks. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, please rate, subscribe, and get the word out. We are slowly growing our listener base, and it makes me very happy. You guys are one of the best audiences out there, um, and I really do appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you all next time.